The Irmin Sul. Where is there a roomy hell big enough to hold the Franks? Viticant of Corvi, The Deeds of the Saxons. The young knight ran ahead of all the others right at us, his face spattered with blood. Armor on his head and chest and arms glittered in the firelight. Other Franks broke into the Halle behind him and shouted down our chants. We stood with our backs to the sacred column, our empty hands held out to ward them off, with a final, great bound. The knight hurled a spear at me from no more than five paces away. I did not have time to duck. It went through me so fiercely that it pinned my shoulder to the Irmin Sul and cracked my head against the ancient hardwood, knocking me senseless. When I awoke, everyone else was dead. Dust and smoke filled the night air. The offering platform felt sticky beneath my feet. I leaned down to see if it was blood, and a bolt of pain shot through me. The spear still fixed me in place. I reached up to feel the blade with cold and bloody hands, a fine piece of sharp iron, too precious for an acolyte like me, it had passed into my right shoulder a finger wide of my breastbone, just beneath my collarbone. I could not remove it. I could not move. My eyes roved. I shivered. I could tell my thoughts were canted, but I couldn't right myself. My inner voice spoke blankly. The shrine looks odd lit by Frankish torches. They burn more harshly. Bodies lay in the shadows all around, but living men filled the halla. Ah, Soldiers. And then I looked at the bodies. Everyone dead. Finnel beside me, Nurseus below, Ogatric burned in a heap over his brother Dacian. My master, Isber, the Engrian high priest, face down at my feet in a dark red pool. Ma always said that I looked like a younger Finnel. Now his straight red hair is caked with blood, his broad nose is torn sideways, his green eyes are blank. It's like looking in a pond's reflection and seeing. I sagged against the agony in my shoulder and welcomed the darkness once more. I woke again with the sun. Patches of light illuminated the sandstone floor where, in all my years in the sacred hala, they never had before. I looked up to see giant, ragged holes burned into the ceiling. Beyond it, blue sky. The famous roof soared overhead, built from great ash logs, spreading in wheel spokes from the enormous height of the tree trunk of the Irmansul. It stood forty-six men high. It took forty-six men holding hands to circle the trunk. When the gods had walked with the first men, the Irmin Sul had been the tallest tree in the world. Now, countless generations later, the scarred and burned and decorated column of bare ash hardwood still stood strongly in the earth. At least that must be what the Franks believe. At my feet, only a few bodies remained. A dark stain marked the place Isber had fallen, but he was gone gone forever. Ogatric and Dacian remained huddled together. I wondered what had befallen Dudo, my best friend, and little Carne. They had stood at the far side of the Irmansul the night before.
My chest ached so deeply, I knew the pain would never go away. Even breathing hurt. Yet I was surprised to be alive. I wasn't even bleeding. My hand rose again to the shaft of the spear. I had always wondered what I would do when death came for me. Like any good Angrian, I wanted to kiss hell full on the lips when she arrived, but I secretly held a fear deep in my heart that I would run from her instead. Now my moment had come. I would never have more courage. I grasped the shaft and yanked, but my effort was too weak. The point had been driven deep in the column's hardwood. Stuck. I groaned. A slave passed into view, dragging the body of Jorund, my uncle's neighbor, his homely face slashed open to bone and tooth. The slave, Achati, like me, looked at me dully. He had the round face and stringy hair of the Swabians to the south. His neck wore an iron torque, and one of his eyes was black and nearly swollen shut. Oi, are you alive? he asked in a simpleton's voice. Help me, brother, I whispered. I shouldn't, he said. I am Merrick, son of Tostin, my voice trembled. May Nerta light your way. And though not bring your knight, I shouldn't, he repeated. But he dropped Jorund and approached me anyway. He looked only at the spear, never at my face. When they take it out... You'll die, he declared, then returned to Jorund and lifted him by the leg, dragging him toward the open doors. Over his shoulder, he said, I'd be quiet if I were you. Another slave entered and separated Ogatric from Dacian. He hauled the corpse away through the ashes and blood. Soon it would be my turn. Three Franks stood at the entrance, deep in conversation, one drank from a wineskin, and I remembered the thirst burning in me. They stood easily in the sun in tunics and gold braid, their legs bare and dark brown. I had never seen men like these. They clipped their hair short and shaved their chins, saving their vanity for the whiskers on their upper lips, which they decorated with curls and braids and beads. They passed their wineskin around once more and drained it dry, and stepped into the shadowy hall. One of them approached the Irmansul. As he grew near, I recognized him as the knight who had thrown the spear. Now he would reclaim it. He walked up to me, still talking in that sing-song Frankish babble, taller than most men with straight brown hair and deadly eyes. He reminded me of the saying, Not all noble men are cruel, but all cruel men are are noble. He grasped the spear, and I moaned in anticipation. Shameful. He exclaimed in surprise and laughed, pointing at me. The others joined him, calling him by name, Ganelan. They were amused by my ill fortune. Ganelan said a few final words and made to pull the spear free, but one of his friends stayed his hand. Ganelan replied, his harsh voice cutting through his friend's persuasion. Oliver had an idea, but Ganelan wanted his spear. He leaned in, his face well-bred and fair. His green eyes studied mine. 
Oliver still implored him, grasping him by the shoulder and speaking in a haggling tone. Finally, Ganelan relented and let go of the spear. I realized I had stopped breathing. Oliver, his face square and his eyes keen, hastened away. He returned in a moment with another slave, whom Ganelan harshly commanded, pointing at me. Nerta's light, the slave greeted me in a rasping, clipped voice. He possessed the long face and high cheekbones of the Wawings. A scar as wide as my thumb marked one sallow cheek. Gray stubble covered his head. His iron torque looked finer than the ones other slaves wore. May Nerta light your way, brother, I answered unsteadily. I am Elgar. My lord Ganelan needs wine. The slave studied me, his eyes flat. We all do. Wine? You are priests. Priests hoard wine. Where is it? We drank the last of it. I spoke, my mouth tasting of dust. A senate passed. Or ale, or water, if nothing else remains. My lord is thirsty. We have no water. The slave kicked me. Pain shuddered through me, and the Franks laughed. Oh, yes, you do. All of Saxony is gripped in drought, yet this grove is still green. The villagers say only the priests knew where the water comes from. You are the last one. Tell me, before we all die of thirst, where is it? When I was seven winters old, my clan gathered for a funeral. The elders chose me to lead the sacrificial goat into the grove. I undertook this great honor with as much dignity as I could muster. But when I grasped her halter, she struggled and bleated, then pulled me from my feet and trampled me in the mud. At first my brothers and cousins laughed at me, but as the goat kept thrashing me, the ill omen made them cross. My grandfather stepped in and killed the goat with an axe. They sacrificed another and had my younger brother Bastin lead her there instead. From that day on, Bastin was trained in sword and spear, and I was destined for the priesthood. I am not a coward. I am not stupid or clumsy or hard to look upon. I am a fast runner and a willing student and a good acolyte to the Irmansul. The sacred grove is my home, and I love it. Blessed Irmansul, I prayed. It is because I worship you that I do this. I know where the water is, I told Elgar, my voice weak when I would have it be strong. But I will not tell you unless the Franks promise to depart the grove and leave the blessed Irmansul in peace. Elgar translated my words, and the knights laughed again. Ganelan grasped the spear and shifted it a trifle. The pain split me like an axe splits a log. I will tell, I will tell. In the hills is a chasm called the Old Hire. Any child knows where it is. The stream bed is dry, but beneath the cliffs is a spring. Its water keeps the grove green. Oliver, the one with the keen eyes, 
asked an abrupt question. Lord Oliver wants to know how far away this spring is. Three hours by foot. Oliver asked another question. And how is so much water transported so far? But Ganelan had heard enough. He pulled Oliver away, eager to share my news with their elders. Oliver followed, lost in thought. The third night lingered a moment longer. I had not heard his name. He was more quiet than the others and moved with an unnerving grace. His face was even more fair than Ganelan's, with pale skin and gray eyes. But those eyes contained nothing but hatred. The effort had cost me all my vitality. My chin dropped and I surrendered to the darkness. Much later, someone woke me by rattling the spear's shaft. I shrieked and opened my eyes. A crowd faced me. The patches in the burned roof revealed an evening sky. The men before me held torches. The warring slave stood beside me with Ganelan behind him at the spear, his face red with anger. He shouted at me and reached for the spear again. A voice from the crowd rapped out a single command. Ganelan's hand dropped. With a scowl, he stepped back. A man advanced the tallest man I had ever seen. He wore a cape of otter fur held in a clasp of silver. He asked a question, his voice high and soft and gentle. King Charles wants to know, Elgar began, where the water really is. No more lies or they will torture you. The chasm was empty of water, and the child who led them there has been tossed from the cliffs. Now, where is the water? The drought began a whole moon before, with a dry wind from the southwest. It chased the rain clouds from the sky and shriveled the streams in their banks. Within days, the ground cracked and our stock suffered. Isbar and his priests held a kenning with bones and sticks, casting them upon the altar three times and arguing over the results. The Franks, Isbar had divined. They are coming. We dressed a Frankish slave in the armor of his people and put a spear in his hand. An Angrian warrior faced him, wearing boiled hides and holding his sacks short-sword. They fought, and the Frank drove his spear through our warrior's chest. By this, we knew the Franks would conquer us. The drought worsened. The Demel River itself vanished, revealing the stones of its bed. First the village went thirsty. Then the Holy Brothers began to suffer. We emptied the last casks and jars of vinegar and spoiled mead on Thonar's tog, and the Franks appeared the following moon tog. They slaughtered us, as the kenning foretold. But this drought would kill us all. I have no water, I croaked. The crowd muttered angrily. Ganelan thrashed the slave, and he cowered. Ganelan, the king said. He approached me, his long, bony face sad, his eyes unbearably deep. Ganelan stepped back. What is the name? Charles asked me in poor Saxon. You 
name. Merrick. Merrick. Holy man? Yes. Charles nodded. The god. He looked upon the Irmansul with distaste. No more power. Gone. Finished. Join me, Merrick. My god. Best. Big. Bigger than the sun. He smiled at me. Your god. Little tree. Trees die. No, not the Irminsul. The Irminsul is the world tree. Our souls live forever in her branches like birds. I spoke as boldly as I could. Charles looked down at me and shrugged. Live with tree. Die with tree. He turned and spoke to the Franks, pointing at the Irmansul and chopping the air with his hand. Soldiers fetched wood axes and stepped up onto the offering platform beside me. They inspected the Irmansul and tested the ancient wood with their blades. Twisto and his son Manus had arrived here in the days of the first men. They had lived beneath the boughs of this mighty tree. When it died, our forefathers carved into it the faces of gods and kings. They painted it and varnished it and built upon it this hala when the Franks were no more than savages eating frogs in the mud. The first man swung. The sound rang in the hala. His axe glanced away, barely making a mark on the hardwood ash. Others tried. Their axes, too, could not bite. I felt a fierce pride in me for the first time in ages. They could not cut the Irmansul down. A horn sounded. The Franks turned as one to the door. The horn repeated. A voice far away cried a single word, the infamous battle cry, Monjou. The kings and the others surged for the door, the same word on their lips. Within moments, the Hala had emptied. The only man remaining was the warring slave, Elgar, nodded at me, his demeanor turning in a flash like a trout in a pond, from cold to confidential. They're coming, he hissed fiercely. All the chatty clans, by Donar's teeth, they will smash the Franks. Merrick, we did it. In a frenzy of joy, he hugged the Irmansul. I've never seen such a deceitful angry in, he flattered me, pressing my hand to his lips. And a Priest, too. You ran them across the countryside all day, Merrick. You saved the human soul. I shivered again, drained of vitality. A tear slid down my face. Now, by the gods, tell me, I'm as thirsty as a stone. Where is the water? Please, lad, I'm dying. I only looked at him, unable to speak. There isn't any, I whispered. Elgar stepped back, a flash of anger passing across his face like a cloud. He wiped his sweating brow with his cuff and mastered himself. I swear by Woden's eye I'll not tell the Franks a word. 
You see how it is with me. I have to be careful. I can't have them distrust me. That would be the end. He stepped close and soothed my hair like a mother would. You're a clever fellow. If you have an ear for languages, you could serve as I do, living at the side of the king. Merrick, I know how the wider world works. You keep your mouth shut and trust no one. But the Frankish palace is a paradise. Partridge and boar and pastries at every meal. The best wine in the world. Rivers of it. And the wenches are goddesses who part their legs for slaves as readily as their husbands. They like you. You're young. What do you say? All this for a cup. Just a little cup of water. I opened my mouth to speak, and Elgar could see in my eyes that all hope was truly gone. He snarled and grasped the spear by the haft. A soldier appeared in the door and shouted something at Elgar. The slave turned, suddenly servile once more, and scuttled to the door. The battle swirled around me. I caught glimpses through the broken door and gaps in the walls. The roof began to burn again. The ancient war cry of our people sounded from all directions, the rattling barretus that is amplified by the soldier's teeth gnashing at the rim of his shield. The chatty surrounded the Franks. Horn sounded. Cavalry charged this way and that. War chants sprung up in the grove from the edge of the firelight. A troop of Franks spilled in, a bloodied knight with an escort of yeomen. A young Thane on a stallion charged against him, his own warband behind him. I knew him, Thane Otball, a junior cousin of our own Thane, Henrik. He rode up in a fury, spinning his mount in the doorway. A glancing blow from its hoof on the Frank's shield staggered him, but he did not yield. The Franks screamed and thrust their spears at Otval. They pierced his leg and bloodied his face. One of their horns sounded, and they shouted in reply. A thunder of cavalry and the screams of hundreds of men rolled in like an oncoming storm. Otval and his warband fled. The king entered in a suit of shining armor with a retinue of guards and nobles. They cried out, Gironde, and embraced the knight who held the door. The clamor of battle faded. The king wiped his face and lifted a wineskin embroidered with silk and fringed with lace. He poured the last swallow into his mouth. Every man in the hollow watched the king's throat as the wine went down. He sighed and looked solemnly at them, then beckoned them to join him on their knees and pray to their god. So I closed my eyes and prayed to mine. I awoke much later, my head pounding, the world spinning dizzily around me, the simpleton slave hid in the shadows beside me, tugging at my sleeve. Your wisdom, he whispered, his eyes white in the darkness. I'd like my fortune. I'd like to know, is this the rest of my life? Or do I ever lose the collar? I wanted to tell him that I could not give him a kenning. I was only an acolyte, and all the true priests were dead. But 
my breath died in my breast. I only looked at him helplessly. You're a priest, he said, and you're touching it, the Irman soul itself. Ask it what poor Ruko of Surthsgard should do. If I am to die a slave, I'll throw myself off a cliff. I will. His moonish face looked ennobled for an instant, as if a livelier man lay trapped beneath all that flesh. For his sake, I steadied myself and tried. I closed my eyes. I chanted the prayers in the old tongue which must never be written down for any man to see. I spread my hands over the hard surface of the Irman soul. I listened. After a long moment, I opened my eyes. I nodded, the words coming easily, strong and certain. You will be free. Tears filled his eyes, and he gripped my hand in gratitude. Then a noise from the door made him retreat back into the shadows. A voice filled the holla, rising to a wail and choked by sobs. I had never heard such a sound. Engrians never mourned for their dead so keenly. The voice belonged to the king. A knight lay dead in his arms, and he carried him through the holla, pressing his senseless head against his own chest and covering his face with kisses. He wandered, blind with misery, across the floor. As he grew near, I recognized the body in his arms as Gironde, the knight who held the door against Otval. Charles dropped to his knees and looked up at the Irmansul. Rage replaced grief. He cursed it and roared in defiance, he put the body down and grabbed one of the wood axes. He ran at the Irmansul and attacked it in a frenzy. Each blow shuddered through the column, the spear, and my bones. The Franks stood and watched their king with frightened, wandering faces. Charles kicked and spat at the column and struck it like a Norse berserker, throwing his gigantic frame behind each axe blow. Crack! The axe split the hardwood a deep vertical seam that gripped the iron blade. The Franks cheered wildly and ran to join him. Charles levered the axe free and renewed his attacks. The split widened. Another appeared, running parallel up the column. With a great bellow, Charles struck the wood between these two splits, and a splintering crack sounded from deep within. The wood separated. Men grasped it and pulled it free, a piece the size of my torso. They gasped. The Irmansul was hollow. Now they all assaulted the column in a frenzy. Soon they had widened a hole large enough for the smallest of their squires to squeeze through. They handed him a torch and tied a rope to his waist. Moments later he appeared laughing from behind the column, gold coins spilling from his hands. He had found our secret door from the inside. He led the king around to the rear of the column to show him. Now we were truly undone. I wanted more than anything to die, or at least to fall senseless once again. But for once, I couldn't. I had to watch each and every painful moment as they looted our treasure and scattered our ancestors' bones and crushed our ancient totems. 
Charles gloated over the horde, passing out rings to the men around him, then looked up at the Irmansul with contempt. He gave an order. The Frankish word for fire is fu. I recognized that much. The men who had emptied the Irmansul now filled it with fuel. They tore down the walls of the Hala and broke them into pieces. A clever fellow climbed to the roof far above and opened a hole at the very top with his axe so the fire could breathe. Then they lit it. Charles laughed at the smoke issuing from the column through cracks and holes. Young Ganelan and his comrades leapt onto the offering platform. Now nothing would keep him from reclaiming his spear. I closed my eyes. My back grew unbearably hot. Fire played behind my closed lids. I became lost in hell's own flames. And then I saw her, the mistress of the dead. She stood in the center of the inferno, laughing. The souls of the dead swayed at her feet. I saw them all. Isber and Nerseus and Finnel and even little Dudo and Carne. They mourned their ignoble deaths and grieved for their lost lives. I could not bear to see them. Then dividing the yellow and red flame, a green tendril reached out to me. A limb of the Irmansul touched my shoulder, and I shuddered with its power. My eyes snapped open. No. My voice was not my own, but something deep and dreadful. Ganelan drew back. Though you may slay me, I am not dead. Though you destroy me, you too are destroyed. I am the Irmansul, the world tree. You cannot bring me down. Ganelan cursed and stepped forward. He grasped the spear by the haft and put his foot in my ribs. He yanked the spear out. I staggered forward. I felt nothing. Not the wound, nor the fire, nor my numb feet holding my weight for the first time in days. You cannot bring me down, I repeated in the Irmansul's voice. The roof bloomed in flame above me. Timbers began to split and fall. Ganelan stabbed me in the belly, but still I felt nothing. His friends pulled him away. I am not dead, I cried. Fire raced down the walls. Only the simpleton remained. Rugo pulled me from the burning building through the back door. He laid me in the grass and tended me as the Franks mounted their horses in a rush and escaped to the northwest. They will try for the wazer, he said, his jowls streaked with soot. It must still have water, mustn't it? Or... Has the whole world gone dry? No, I murmured in my own voice, hoarse from the smoke. I passed my hands over my wounds and found them still fresh, but somehow bloodless. There will be rain, brother. We will survive. Rugo nodded, echoing my words as if they were a kenning. We will survive. I yes, your wisdom. The smoke from the Irmansul's fire blew against the column of dust rising from the hooves of the retreating Frankish cavalry. A child hidden in the woods began to cry. And just as I foretold, 
the skies finally filled with clouds, as if Donar himself had arrived to chase the Franks away. Soon the rain began, and the Dima began to flow. Over the next few days, those who fled returned and removed everything we could from this place. It would be returned to the endless forest to disappear. The villagers and Rugo and I agreed that no life could be lived here with such dishonor, or anywhere, really. Before we did anything else, we swore to find a church of the Franks, kill its bishop, and burn it to the ground.